I'm going to invite up Pastor Becca. Becca Worrell is a member of our congregation and a licensed pastor in the Evangelical Covenant Church, and we're grateful to have her today as Austin is out, and she's going to share the message with us today. Welcome, Becca. Thank you, Pastor Nancy. Good morning, friends. Nice to see you all this morning. Um, It is a gift to be here with you this day. Um, It feels, it's a little small, but it feels very celebratory in here, Um, because this day um, is a day to celebrate a lot of things, right? So it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Uh, Friday was the last day of school, so all the kids say, and all the teachers say, yes. And today, as Pastor Nancy shared, today is Juneteenth, finally a recognized federal national holiday, um, which stands as the oldest celebration of black emancipation in the United States. And so to this day, this occasion marks the progress of the United States from legally approving race-based chattel slavery to legally abolishing it after centuries of resistance. Can we get an amen? So today, yes, and a clap. So today, indeed, is a celebratory day. Um, So this morning, we are going to continue our series that Pastor Austin launched last week on This Is Us as we dive into our identity as a church body here at Pine Lake, as well as understanding our, our greater family of the covenant denomination. And so there are pieces of our identity as a denomination that form us and make us who we are as Pine Lake Covenant. Um, so Pastor Austin preached last week about the centrality of the word of God. And boy, did he preach. If you missed it, well, don't. Go back and listen, um, because this was an anointed word, anointed last Sunday, reminding us that we are not in the word of God just to be informed, but rather to be transformed by God's word. And Austin reminded us that as we are in God's word, God promises, what did he say, how much of a percentage on our investment? A hundred percent return on our investment in the word. Um, It will not fail. God will not fail to transform us by his word. So this is one of the six central um, affirmations of the covenant church that we live into here at Pine Lake as well. Centrality of the word of God. This morning, I have the honor of being able to speak about another central uh, part of the ECC and who we are as a church is a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. Um, This is us. We are purposefully mindfully aware and deliberate on our dependence on the spirit, right? So what does it mean to be dependent on someone or something? Some examples come to mind. Lorelai Gilmore is dependent on Luke's coffee, right? Any Gilmore Girls fans? Oh, like one? Okay, good. Okay, thank you. Like you're with me, right? Okay. Uh, Thor is dependent on his... Right. MacGyver is dependent on, (laughs) yeah, there's a lot of, I was going to say paperclip. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Pastor Austin is dependent on chips and salsa and black coffee. (laughs) Well, when Bradley was a baby, friends, he was dependent on mommy. Um, Now, I mean this in two ways. First, yes, he was dependent on his mommy. That's what children are. They are very, very needy. (laughs) A Facebook memory actually popped up the other day 
and reminded me of just how needy children are. And it went something like this. Here's what I heard from Anna, who was six years old at the time, in the course of an hour. Mom, Bradley's in the oven. Mom, Bradley's putting the cat in the dishwasher. Mom, Bradley's jumping on the piano. Mom, Bradley put your iPad in the fireplace. So yes, children are dependent on their on us for their safety and their livelihood. Before a stage, Bradley was also dependent on a small rubber elephant he affectionately named Mommy. Now, we won't talk about how that felt for me as he talked about Mommy the elephant. <clears throat> And I do have permission to share this story. Mommy went with him wherever he went. And it was Mommy the elephant that taught Bradley how to swim. We were on vacation at Sancadia, and Bradley had his Mommy in his fist the whole time. And when he had a grip on Mommy, he was brave and courageous, and he would jump and dive into that water and kick his little feet together, and he and Mommy swam. When he didn't have his mommy, he couldn't swim. He did not have the power to swim. So together they splashed and they swam, and we as parents watched our kid swim with his mommy. And I think there was a connection in his heart of his brain of mommy, the elephant, gives me the power to swim. So later that day, we came across one of those old um, underground mine shafts in Sancadia. You know what I'm talking about if you've ever been there before, right? So you've got the bars and then the shaft that goes way down. And Bradley stood in front of the mine shaft and he gazed down the dark hole. And then for some reason, unbeknownst to us and unbeknownst to him, he took mommy and he threw her down the mine shaft. And then he had this moment of, <laughs> and then, <gasps> And total grief and bewilderment came over him as he realized he threw mommy down the mine. And so he was wailing and wailing and wailing. And we went to dinner and he was still wailing. And so you know what this mommy did? I asked the Sincadia staff if they had keys to the mine shaft. And Annabelle's like, yeah, Bradley threw mommy down the mine shaft. And so then we had to explain this was a rubber elephant. So they came and they actually unlocked the mine shaft for us. And we found mommy in the dark of that shaft. And so Bradley got his swimming powers back. Right. Oh my goodness. He was totally dependent on that little elephant. He could do nothing without it that day. He could do nothing without it. So what does it mean to be dependent on someone or something? Why should we depend on the Holy Spirit. And in order to answer this question, friends, I we need to go to school for just a minute. And I know kids are like, oh, we just got out of school. But for about 10 minutes, I want to take us into school and just do some teaching from maybe a 30,000-foot view perspective through Scripture, and then we will hit the real-life application and illustrations of this and bring it to life and land the plane. Uh, Maybe crash land. You'll have to tell me after the service. So hopefully you won't need an oxygen mask. Buckle in. So seats in the upright position. Trays up. No smoking. (laughs) Let's fly. First, we're going to talk about some foundational pieces. So pop quiz. Is the Holy Spirit a ghost? That's a trick question. (laughs) Because in the Old English, it is referred to as the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Ghost. So what images come to mind when you think of of ghosts, of Holy Ghost? 
Like, are you thinking Casper, the friendly, <laughs> right? Or Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze? <laughs> or do we need to call like Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd to come find the Holy Ghost for us? No, definitely not. The Holy Spirit is not a creepy paranormal thing or an essence of a thing out there knocking people over and running amok. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a member of the triune community of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So this is the first and foremost, most important thing of understanding the Holy Spirit that we must grasp is that he is eternal, everlasting person of God. Foundation one, the Holy Spirit is a person. So we are invited, friends, into a dependent relationship with the person of the Spirit, not a paranormal transaction, right? So here are some verses that bring this to life. Um, Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a member, right? A person of the triune God. And in John 14, 16, Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. And the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Say, say that with me. He will be in you. He will be in you. That's pretty personal. That is pretty personal. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Paul says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So the Holy Spirit is a person that we can have fellowship with. That's also personal, right? Again, not a, a floating wisp, not a phantom shade, not, not a force of nature. And this is so, so important for us to understand this morning because if the spirit is more like um, a supernatural energy, then naturally, what do we want to do with that? Manufacture it, harvest it, manifest it, conjure, channel it, own it. Uh, think about who has it and who doesn't have it. And I know that many here maybe have experienced false teaching like this before, and it's harmful and it's spiritually abusive, and I'm sorry. The Holy Spirit is not an it, not a commodity, a force to, to be manifested or purchased or owned denominationally or theologically or magically. And so this leads us to foundation number two. Whoops. There's Bradley and his mommy. Foundation number two, God promises the Holy Spirit, friends, to anyone who asks. God promises the Spirit. Acts 2.38, Peter preaches, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive the Holy Spirit. And then in Luke, Jesus is telling his disciples, if you then, who are sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, the Heavenly Father will give good gifts of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The Holy, the Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The Spirit isn't just for the super holy or the believers who have only certain gifts of the Spirit. 
for some but not for others. No, the Father promises that he will give the Spirit to all who ask. Foundation three, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Um, Galatians 4, 6 says, Because, Gentiles, you've become his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son, Jesus, into your hearts. The Spirit of his Son. So the Holy Spirit is not the same as the person of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came to do the work of Jesus, to glorify Jesus, to reveal Jesus, to remind us of everything that Jesus ever said and did. So in this sense, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. So friends, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, again, not just this this random force of nature that we have no connection with, but we can actually say, I know him. If we know Jesus, we know the Holy Spirit. We can be, we can be as enthusiastic as Elf when he knew that Santa was coming. What did he say? I know him. I know him. Right? Sorry. I feel like every time I preach, I should try to give a quote from Elf because it's my favorite movie ever. Um, but that is how we are invited to know the Holy Spirit, to say we know him. This is the Spirit of Jesus. We know Jesus. We know the Holy Spirit. I know him. And our fourth foundational piece in class today is this. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. Dwells in us. Let's take that in for a minute. Acts 2, 4 says, The promised Holy Spirit came upon men and women who were in the upper room in Pentecost, if you read Acts chapter 1 and 2 very carefully. And so the Holy Spirit came upon men and women and filled them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Romans 8.10 describes this even more fully. says, if the Spirit of him, the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. So this is a lot to take on. What did we learn? Are you still in school? Do you need a hall pass? <laughs> Or, okay, so here's what we went through. The Holy Spirit is a, thank you, you guys are with me, yes. The Holy Spirit is given to all who ask. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of, yes, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit dwells in believers. You get an A. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do? in the life of a believer. Back to our question, a little bit more school. Why? Why are we dependent on the Spirit? Why? And so for that, we're going to turn to Romans 8. Now, when Bradley was one, this is like a totally Bradley-centric sermon because it's his birthday. So he's in this sermon a lot. He's on my mind, and he's 11 now, and it goes so fast. Um, I have a middle schooler. Wow. Okay, so when Bradley was one, he went through that stage. How many of you have one-year-olds right now? Yeah, I thought, I thought there was one. Kind of, almost one. Okay. When Bradley was one, he went through that stage that we know where he puts everything in his mouth. Remember this stage? If you had kids or grandparent kids or you're an auntie, this typical stage of putting everything in his mouth. So there was a moment actually one day when I saw his cheeks were stuffed full and it looked like there was like tissue paper hanging out of his mouth. And so I ran over and I, and I dug my finger inside his mouth 
do you ever wonder, like, how did we end up doing this? We're like catching throw up in our hands and we're, we're digging in our children's gross mouths. Anyway, I dug this thing out of his cheeks and I took it and it was actually a bunch of pages of my Bible. <laughs> For real. And I'm like trying to look at this gross, yucky, drooly thing. And, and it's my thin, thin paper Bible. And it's Romans 8. He literally ate Romans 8. It's like he took that, he took that verse from Jeremiah that says, eat the word of God. He's like, I'm going to do that. And so he ate the word of God and he ate Romans 8. And so for like a year, I didn't have Romans 8 in my Bible. And this was really troubling because this is one of the most important chapters in the entire New Testament. So I had to buy a new Bible. Um, and here are some summaries of the Spirit in Romans 8. And again, just let this wash over you about how important the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit gives life. Romans verse 1 to 3, 8 verse 1 to 3. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives you life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit gives life and sets us free from sin. Second, the Holy Spirit governs our minds and gives life and peace. Verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The Holy Spirit resurrects the dead. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus right from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit that lives in you. The Holy Spirit gives us power over sin. How many of you need that? I need that. Oh, I'm the only one here. Wow, that's really weird. Thank you. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body of sin, you will live. What is it? How do we do it? By the Spirit, friends. The Holy Spirit leads us. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Holy Spirit leads us. How many of you need to be led by God? The Holy Spirit adopts us as God's children and testifies to this in our spirits. Verse 16, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by him, by who? The Spirit, we can say, we cry, Abba, Father. We get to call the God Almighty of the universe, Abba, Father, because of the Holy Spirit adopting us and testifying to us that we are his children. That's the Spirit's work. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, assists us in prayer, intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with his will. So I am really glad that I dug all of this out of Bradley's mouth. This is why we are dependent on the Spirit. Now again, let this wash over you. And you know what? Actually, I think we're going to send this out. I want us to have this. That we can read this this week. But you take this in. The Holy Spirit can be lied to, resisted, blasphemed, quenched. The Holy Spirit testifies about Christ. The Holy Spirit brings unity. Holy Spirit illuminates the word of God, gives us spiritual gifts, cleanses, and 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 renews us and regenerates us. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. The Holy Spirit gives hope of resurrection. The Holy Spirit strengthens and encourages and multiplies the church. 
The Holy Spirit brings comfort, searches the things of God, sanctifies, forbids, and bears fruit in our life, gives us joy, reveals truth, advocates and counsels and teaches all things. Friends, do you think we need the Holy Spirit? Right? Do you think? I just, I look at this and I think, I can't live. We can't live. We can't, we can't be free. We can't have unity. We can't, the church wouldn't be here if it weren't for the Holy Spirit of God. I just want to illustrate just three of these foundational pieces, these significant pieces. In fact, I really have stories where I could probably illustrate each one, but then we'd be here till 9 p.m. and we don't have a rubber elephant to help us with our stamina. But three things. First, I want to illustrate the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I was speaking at a retreat a few years ago, women's retreat, and afterward I ended up praying with an older lady in her late 80s. And she told me her life story, and it was filled with sadness and bitterness and regret. She told me that at this moment, she was now living with her daughter, who was also at the retreat, with her. And she expressed a great deal of anger and hostility to me about her daughter. There were years and years of built-up, unmet expectations and needs, a long list that she had kept. So her thoughts, friends, are are controlled by the flesh and marked by rage and resentment and disappointment, not a mind of, of life and peace in the spirit, right? And so we prayed that night. She came to me for prayer, so that is also the work of the Spirit, moving her forward to come with me to pray. And we prayed that night, and I prayed that the Holy Spirit would begin to govern her mind and all the strongholds in her mind that would lead her and enable her to forgive, to let go of unforgiveness, enable her to live in the Spirit and be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. So that So we went to bed, we prayed, she went to bed, I woke up in the morning, I came down for breakfast, and that very morning, her daughter came up to me, and she goes, what did you do to my mother? And I'm like, oh crap, Um, I don't know, I didn't do anything to your mother, I was feeling a little bit threatened by her, her bewildered face, and I said, I don't know, and she goes, she's a whole new person. As of this morning. As of this morning. She said, my mom smiled for the first time in forever. She said, my mom hugged me. My mom asked me to forgive her. And then my mom said, thank you for having me in her home. I mean, this is just remarkable. Overnight, Edna, we'll call her, is a walking Romans 8 Somewhere in the night, she relinquished control of her mind and her thoughts that were governed by the flesh. And she relinquished to the Holy Spirit and surrendered to the life of peace the Spirit gives. And it's never too late, friends. It's never too late, even in our 90s. It's never too late for a rebirth in the Holy Spirit. To allow ourselves to be dependent. 
So friends, we can be controlled by our desires and our selfishness and by the flesh about legalism or our anger or our supremacy, or we can be controlled by the spirit of Jesus, which bears the fruit of the spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are our choices, and they can only be done by surrendering and asking the Holy Spirit to govern our minds. It's like Edna. That was amazing. Second highlight, Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. At another retreat, after an evening of worship, a woman came to me for prayer. And there in the dark, huddled in this corner, she whispered to me that she had had an affair. She wept bitterly and poured out her confession to me between sobs. She had confessed this already to her husband and to God. But yet, she still, years later, was still racked with the guilt and the fear. And she said over and over again, I know I am not worthy to be God's child. I'm not a child of God, she declares. I am not a child of God because I did not act like one. And I cannot call him father. I can't pray. She truly believed that God had removed his adoption and his love from her. So we prayed and we prayed and we wept and we worked through Romans 8. And I had her repeat out loud, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for me because the spirit of life has set me free. And she repeated after me, the Spirit testifies that I am adopted into God's family. He is my Father. I am His child. I am co-heir of Christ Christ. And her assignment was to say it out loud every day. Six years later, I get an email from her that said that doing this practice changed her life. She said, it took a long time, but I said it over and over again until I believed it. So it wasn't like Edna's instant rebirth, but it was a practice depending on the spirit of truth to testify to her spirit that God was her father and that she was his forgiven child. Friends, we need the Holy Spirit to testify to our spirits that we are children of God. Why? Because we forget. And because we doubt that that could possibly be true. And so the Spirit of God testifies to us over and over again. You are my beloved child. Call me Abba. And finally, highlight number three, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. This is my story. Many years ago at a women's retreat. Okay, you've seen me, you've heard me say that three times now. Big things happen at women's retreats. I'm just telling you. And here's my shameless plug as a member of the Pacific Northwest Women's Retreat Committee. Um, Please come to retreat. And I've registered, and I don't want to be in a cabin all by myself and... No one else from Pine Lake, I don't know if you've registered. So please come with me so I'm not alone. And I don't snore, so you can room with me. Okay, there we go. All right, so please come, please come, please come. Many years ago at a retreat, 
the speaker's testimony that night just gripped my heart, my heart, and led me to begin for the first time to open up about trauma and a very, very deep, dark pain in my life where someone had abused power over me. And I had carried this with me for 15 years in secret. I was finally releasing this and breaking free of this story. And I was talking with my mom in the hallway and told her for the very first time. I went to bed that night and had wakeful thoughts and recurring dreams about this dark time. In these nightmares, I was being accused over and over and over again. And I'm standing before that person, and I had nothing to say for myself. In my nightmare, I was silenced, and I was weak, and I was helpless. Now, this is so awesome. At the same time, a friend sleeping in the bunk above me, who knew nothing about this breakthrough I had just had in the hallway, was having a dream. Or a vision, rather, about me. She dreamt that an authoritative figure was accusing me of something over and over again and that I was unable to speak. And in her dream, she burst through the door of the office shouting in my defense. And she actually woke herself up shouting out loud in the room. And we all woke up to her shouting in my defense. And so in that moment, I thought this would be good to share with her the significance of what just happened. And I shared my story, and, and together we all prayed that God, the Holy Spirit, would give me the power that I need to speak truth and be set free. The Holy Spirit, friends, was active in this time. In my weakness, when I could not pray, the Holy Spirit interceded literally with moans and groans too deep for words through the person in the bunk above me. Does that just not absolutely blow your mind? This event, friends, and the slew of others like it changed the entire trajectory of my life empowering me to step forward in truth and freedom. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. The Spirit intercedes for you according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit interceded for me. The Spirit of truth wanted truth to be told. The Spirit of Christ, who is the light of the world, wanted light to be shed on this horrible place of darkness. But I couldn't do it. So the Holy Spirit interceded in my weakness. And I was set on a course toward freedom and healing and redemption. Friends, now let me ask, after all we've learned... Can we as Christians live without the Holy Spirit of God? Can we be the church? Can we be Pine Lake? Can we be the church without the Spirit of God? Can we live without mindful dependency on the Spirit? 
I leave you with that question to ponder. Can you, can, can you live without total dependency on the Spirit for everything? Let me pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I praise you for giving us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Without your Holy Spirit, we, we can't have unity. Without your Holy Spirit, we can't have freedom. Without your Holy Spirit, we can't have truth. We won't be reminded of everything Jesus said. We won't have a life of wholeness and renewal and, and all the freedom that is offered in bearing fruit of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. We need you. We are desperately dependent on you. Desperately dependent. And maybe we've been living our life as if we don't have you in it. Maybe we don't know. Maybe we've never felt what it feels like to be empowered by your spirit setting us free. God, and I know that some here today, that we are being moved by this and and being invited into new life in your spirit. And so we, we offer, we just surrender, we surrender our hearts and our minds to you this day. Please come. You promise that if we ask for your Holy Spirit, you will give it. And so this day, collectively, in this place, online, and in this moment, we ask you to fill us with the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in your matchless name, Jesus. Amen.